Uh, most gracious and ever-living God, I, I do give you great thanks and praise that you've drawn us together this morning, that you've given us this opportunity to be together in the midst of you, and I pray that you'd be in the midst of us, and that certainly, most importantly, that really not my word, but your word would go forth, and that we would hear from you, because your words are life and uh, salvation, uh, and, and work on our hearts and our minds I pray, Lord, that we might find the freedom which is available in you. And all this we ask in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Um, I think it's a great idea, not just because Todd's sitting here, but I just think it's a great idea that we're, that we're taking four weeks to reflect on, on stewardship um, when it's not stewardship season. You know, it's kind of like it's not, and now here's your pledge card um, after, uh, after this time, because you know, it's um, interestingly, one of the things, Jesus actually talks a lot about money um, uh, because it's, it's often something that we, it's one of our chief idols. Um, really, it's one of the things that we often want to put our hope and find our security in. And, and he actually, the, the, the Bible talks about money um, a, a good deal. And so I appreciate this opportunity to reflect a little bit this morning. Also, I'll say I'm a great person to talk about this. I'm really glad because um, I'm super. Um, no, I mean, it's kind of, you know. Um, but no, I'm really excited about this this opportunity. I'm a great person to talk about this. Why? Because it's something that Paul and I have struggled with um, over the years. So, I mean, that's the great thing. I can't just come and say, I hope you all can be great like me. Um, it's it's really something that we've, you know, that, that we've wrestled with, and yet is something that's tremendously important. So, I, I think I'm um, as I say, I think I'm a great person to talk about this and, and really grateful to have the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with you all this morning. And obviously, we talk about um, stewardship. The, the kind of the, the subtitle of mine is how, how can we begin to give? Um, and so talk a little bit about that this morning. But there's a great clip uh, from Indiana Jones, uh, The Search for the Holy Grail. Did, did any of y'all watch that movie? You know, a lot of my theological formation, you know, the Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark and The Search for the Holy Grail. Um, but there's this great scene in that when he's getting ready and he comes to this chasm. And, you know, there's, there's, it's just a chasm and he has to get from one side to the other. And he, and he takes... Uh, and he takes, you know, this voice sort of tells him, you know, go ahead, you know, <laughs> go ahead, trust me, we got it here. And and he takes that first tentative step and, and amazingly finds, albeit invisible, solid ground, and he and he walks uh, across to the other side. And then, and I thought that would have been a good idea to do at the outset. When he gets to the other side, he takes a handful of sort of dirt, sand, and he throws it out over the chasm and and this bridge uh, appears, and there's a quote I came across years ago. This, the steps of faith fall upon the seeming void, but find the rock beneath. Uh, the, the steps of faith fall upon the seeming void, but find the rock beneath. And, it, and it, that whole wonderful visual uh, sort of shows that, but to me that's kind of, uh, at least for Paul and myself, that was kind of like the original thought about stewardship, you know, a giving... Um, Away, uh, particularly money. You know, we're stepping out into this chasm. Uh, but yet, one of the things that I want to share, and I, not just, um, well, you guys on a number of things. One, um, it's the, the the truth of it's biblical. Most importantly, um, before you get my opinion or my experience, the the reality is first and foremost that that it, that's biblical. God's 
gracious uh, care of us, God's love for us, God's provision um, for us, the fact that he is our rock um, and our stronghold, as, as the psalmist so often wonderfully says, you know, Lord, you're my crag and my stronghold. Lord, you're my rock um, and my stronghold. And in fact, God is that in the way that he um, provides for us and the way that he cares for us. But I want to share as well um, just about um, Paula's and my uh, personal experience um, with all of this. Um, Paula and I have always had a lot of money. Um, I, you know, I started off as a graduate assistant. Um, right out of college, I had a graduate assistantship. I was in graduate school in clinical counseling. And I think my, I think my salary was $3,000 a year, if I remember correctly. It was, it was $1,500 a semester um, is, is where I started. So you know, I graduated from, from college and sort of felt this call to ordain ministry. But um, I guess like most folks, I said, that just seems a little too extreme. Uh, maybe we can find a happy medium, uh, something besides uh, ordained ministry. Lord, I love you, but maybe, you know, um, I could just be on the vestry. Because, um, I mean, that's kind of like martyrdom. Um, so maybe I could be on the vestry or I could teach Sunday school, work with the youth group. And so um, as, as sort of my, my quibbling and bargaining with God, I thought, well, you know what, I'll, 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 I'll teach, um, I'll, I'll coach, uh, I'll, I'll be involved in counseling, and, you know, all, all fabulous ministries, but um, was not able to shake this, this call to ministry. And, and the biggest thing about all that was, you know, as great as all those were, and, and very definitely ministries, no, no doubt about it, um, and, and areas of tremendous service. But I thought as I'm doing this, I uh, had an intro, my graduate assistantship was uh, I had this job that no one else wanted. Uh, I worked with a group of ninth grade at-risk um, inner city students teaching study skills. And of course, my family rightly mocked me. Uh, They're like, you're teaching study skills. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I, exactly. I'm like, it, it's the old learn from my mistakes, children. Um, let me tell you what not to do sort of deal. But so that was my deal. But it was a great experience. But but the thing that was missing was to share that uh, that one essential thing, that that transformational power uh, that, that comes from a relationship with with God and Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the one thing all the other things, you know, study skills and, and counseling and coaching, all those were, were, were great. But I thought, you know, the one essential piece that we all so deeply, desperately need, the, the one essential building block that everything else stands upon, uh, I wasn't able to share. So all that went by way of saying, you know, I started off in the highly lucrative world of graduate assistantships. Um, and I did some sort of uh, busting and waiting tables on the side um, to, to make a little money. And then Paul and I were married. Uh, and I told the story before and y'all thought I was kidding, but I wasn't. When um, I asked her dad, said, you know, I'd like to ask your daughter to marry me. He was so delighted. And one of the first things he did was give me her car payment. Um, and so so we, um, we we go to seminary. We get married three months before seminary. We had $300. Uh, that's that's how much we had. We, had. we had a bank account with $300. We went off. I was a full-time student. And um, yeah, I was, a, I was a full-time student. Paula worked. Uh, Paula had been involved in high, highly uh, lucrative fields of social service. Um, so she had, um, she had worked uh, with Child Protective Services, with foster care parent licensing, with Medicare, Medicaid. So again, you know, uh, we were, um, you know, exactly. We were the, we were the people. Um, if you needed a loan, we were the people to come and see. So, you know, we go off to seminary. Uh, and then, you know, we, we went to seminary. And then when we graduated at... Um, the Bishop of South Carolina, Bishop Salmon, placed me at the cathedral in Charleston. And um, 
and the cathedral in Charleston is a, is a fabulous building, um, but it's a, it's a very small uh, congregation. And I think my salary, I think it was $20,000 a year was, was my salary um, after, you know, after graduation from, from seminary. And so, of course, we began to have a lot of money then, um, you know, at, at $20,000 uh, a year. And so, so I, I, I share all that by way of saying, you know, we thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give in other ways. And, and that's, and, and as I, as I share all this story, let me just say, that's very valid. I mean, I'm not making light of stewardship is about much more than money, um, with, with, without a doubt. Um, you know, it is about the way that we sort of, uh, give and empty ourselves in the service of others, whatever that might, uh, whatever that might look like. We, we give in, in lots of different ways. But one of the things that was always lacking uh, really sort of significantly lacking in Paulus in my life is, is, is financial stewardship. I mean, you know, we, we would give some, um, but it was always kind of one of those, you know, well, there are other people, um, and, and it's true, there are some people for whom giving is a real gift, um, not just because of their means, but I mean, some people, it is a spiritual gift. I mean, some people have a wonderful gift um, for, for generosity, for, for stewardship, for, for giving beyond just their means to do so because... Um, you know, having the means doesn't necessarily mean um, that 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 we give because, and I, y'all have heard the saying before. I attributed, I can't remember whether it was, I think it was Rockefeller, but hey, take your pick, Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, Dupont. You know, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. Um, and you know, it's so easy for us to get there in in our lives as well. So Paul and I, you know, we never had any money. We were constantly behind. Um, financially, that's how we started off in in life and in marriage, and you know, um, it didn't it didn't get any better once we graduated from seminary and entered into ministry, and so there was still um, that there. And one of the things that that I've um, wrestled with over the years when it when it comes to money, and and I like to you know pretend like I'm not anxious or worried, but I mean just fear um, is, has been one of the big challenges for me when it when it comes to money is just being afraid. Um, being afraid of running out, um, being afraid of not um, having enough, uh, you know, being afraid of, you know, it's it's just sort of one car repair away or one doctor bill away or one air conditioner breaking down away or whatever it might be. I mean, we were just sort of one, uh, it, it just always felt tenuous, uh, just sort of one thing happening from basically everything coming undone. And there was a certain amount of fiscal reality to that. There was a certain amount where it's just like, that wasn't just in my head. Um, there was, there was some real truth to that. And, you know, we have, uh, you know, Paul and I are just, we're, we're great financial managers. So we decided to have three kids, um, you know, and, our, and kind of our thinking behind that, we said, and we were true. We were just saying, you know what, we can't afford one, so why not three? Um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like if you wait to have enough money to have kids, you won't have kids. If you wait to have enough money to get married, um, you won't get married because, you know, again, there's never, uh, there's, there's never quite enough. And so, um, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, I would sort of go to, you know, the, one of the great things and one of the terrible things is online banking um, because, you know, you can check it constantly um, on your smartphone. And I would, you know, just sort of particularly sort of as the end of two weeks got closer, would sort of constantly be checking sort of like, okay, you know, can I take $5 here and put it there and kind of, you know, juggle all of this. And, I mean, just becoming this, this tremendous um, anxiety, this tremendous um, fear, and it just, you know, it just grips you um, in, in your life. It certainly has the potential um, to do that. And then things, 
and, I, and as I share this, things change for for me and things change for us um, in, in January after Paula's accident. And um, there's a couple of different scriptures and there's really kind of three main points I want to make today and, and a couple of different scriptures that I want to share with you uh, as we sort of reflect on this uh, a little bit today. But, um, you know, following, and, and this has really been true um, throughout our, our life and our ministry. You know, as I say, it was always, I mean, I, uh, sort of, I've always lived with this mixture of fear and faith. Um, and to some degree, I don't know that we ever graduate from that, this side of the Jordan, uh, that certain mixture of fear and faith. Um, the, the Bible also often says fear not because we so often fear, uh, because fear is very much a part of our minds and our hearts um, and our lives. You know, God, I know you're gracious and I know you provide and I trust you and I know you're going to come through, but, um, but, but I worry, but I, but I wring my hands. But God all along had just amazingly provided for, for Paula uh, and for myself in our lives. When we were in seminary, it was really, uh, I do think God is very, kind and very generous in the ways in which he desires to give us assurances that, that we might believe um, and that we might trust and that we might have faith. Why? Because that's that's when we really start living. Um, that's when, you know, that uh, that faith and that joy and that peace come in to, to drive out the fear, which so often grips and drives us in our lives. And so I don't think God, and this is Craig speaking, so you can take this or leave this, but I don't think God desires us to live without hardship in our lives, uh, because I think hardship is a very important tool, uh, which which God brings. I don't think God is you know sort of this divine meanie saying I'm really going to sock it to them now. Uh, I'm really going to zap them um, today, but but it's going to be for their good. Um, I don't think that's the way that God operates. But I do think you know Jesus in this world you'll have trouble, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. So I don't think I, I think hardship is is a part of this um, this life. And maybe it's good so that we don't become too settled and too content um, that, you know what, that we live gratefully, that we live faithfully. I, listen, I love so much of the world, um, uh, but yet to realize this isn't our final destination. It's not our final home um, uh, to not be excessively content um, in, in the here and now. But throughout Paul's and my life and ministry, God so repeatedly provided for us and not only provided provided very specifically to the point that we knew it had to be him um, when we'd have a certain amount that was due or a certain need that was in place and and the and the money would come just out of the blue um, you know from some person that we didn't particularly know or some group that we didn't particularly know or some way of means of it coming to say you know what lord um, clearly um, that's that's from you uh, that specific amount that we specifically needed at the specific time has, has come from you that we might know uh, of your love for us, your presence, your um, provision, just sort of giving us that gift again and again and again. And I'll say this, and uh, I mean this as I was thinking about this class and just thinking in general, um, if, 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 God were, um, if God were a good parent uh, in sort of good parenting terms, he would have cut Paul and I off a long time ago. Um, you know, he, he's been enabling us for years. Um, so, you know, like in sort of in parental terms, you know, you need to you, you need to stop enabling them. You need to give them some tough love. If, if God were that kind of parent, he would have he not only would have he should have um, cut us off years ago. But but thankfully, God is not you know God's not out of the parenting books. 
um, because he should have cut us off years ago and he hasn't. Um, and, and he didn't again and again in the ways that he showered kindness. But after Paula's accident, um, we were so absolutely overwhelmed with all the love and with all the care and with all the um, generosity that we received in the midst of the hardship. And it was kind of one of those moments um, for me where I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, no, no more excuses. Um, you know, what, what other excuses do you have, Craig, for goodness sakes? You know, it's just time. It's just time to take the leap. It's time to um, bite the bullet. It's time to begin giving um, generously uh, and and dramatically. Not you know not and you know and and we've been I've been doing that since January and I and I can say it's it's felt awesome. Uh, it's really it's just I don't mean that in any cheesy way, but it's just been amazing. It's been wonderful um, to do that kind of really for the first time. And and once again, God's provision has been. Um, absolutely remarkable. One of the things, uh, one of the, because in some ways, you know, not that I was, uh, not that I was the rich fool, but I was in some ways a, a fool for so long. The parable of the rich fool, Luke 12, uh, it's Luke, it begins Luke 12, um, 13. Uh, someone in the crowd said to him, and, and him is Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to them, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, it's one of those parables that Jesus tells. And, and the problem with that parable is we understand it. Uh, I, think that's, yeah, I think that's the challenge with that particular parable. It's like, Hmm, this confusing teaching of Jesus. Uh, you know, what could he be saying to us in this one? And I think it's kind of one well, of those is just like, boom, um, there, there it is. And, and, and after what we went through, I thought, you know what, Lord, you've been so um, generous to us. Um, so many others have been so kind and generous to us. Uh, our life could be over in a moment. Uh, and, you know, we talk about that, but then you have those experiences, and it doesn't just take a horrific accident like Paula. I mean, any number of things, and not just sort of, quote, life and death, but I mean, our lives can change in an absolute um, instant. Uh, and I thought, you know, <laughs> what what are you waiting for, fool? Um, you know, tonight, uh, your your life may be required of you. So just uh, go ahead uh, and start. And as I say, it's it's been it's been awesome. I, I you know what? I may fall tomorrow. I may you know talk a big game up until today, and tomorrow we 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 fall short, or this afternoon, or in five minutes, or you know whatever uh, it might be. But I I can just say, for so long I always thought you know it's someone else's to do. Um, you know I'll do what I can, but that but that's someone else's. But uh, I've just kind of felt like for so very long I've missed out on some of the real freedom and some of the real joy um, that's available to us in stewardship. There's a quote I want to share with you um, because, and I think this is uh, gets in many ways to the heart of things. Uh, and again, it's this is a quote. You can agree or disagree um, 
with it, but the quote is this, uh, the biblical understanding of the heart is that it is not the seat of the emotions, but of what you most trust and hope in. So uh, again, the biblical understanding of the heart is that it is not the seat of the emotions, but of what you most trust uh, and hope in. And and the reason I like that, you know, why I think uh, giving uh, is is important, and and certainly it was for me for so long. And I yeah, and I I guarantee I know that I'm not alone in this. Is that you know, um, money so often for us uh, means security. Um, you know, we we just we, we we give it, and it's not unimportant. I mean, you know, you've got to pay your mortgage and you've got to pay your light bill and you have to buy food and you have to do so I'm not you know pretending like ah whatever um, it, it's it's a big deal but at the same time the the invitation and in stewardship is to battle the inherent idolatry that that is money uh, to think that it's going to be our strength uh, to, to put our trust in it to think that it's going to be our security when when God's our security um, when when God's our strength when when God's our our hope I mean that's 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 the thing that's not going to let us down, um, but 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 money will. Three things um, that I wanted to say, and, and you know, just the wonderful opportunity um, for us in um, beginning to give. You know, whether you know you say, all right, you know what, I'm uh, I'm going to do ten uh, percent. You know, I'm going to go. You know, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to do ten percent. Whatever it might be, I, I really encourage you to sort of prayerfully think about. Um, to think about that. And the three things that I want to say um, in thinking about stewardship are, first and foremost, it, it's, it's not ours. Um, it, it's not ours. That's, that's not something we want to hear, but it's 100% true. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not ours. None of it. Our, our money is not ours. Our, our lives um, are not ours. Uh, when my kids were baptized, one of the things I, 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 I thought about and, and having them baptized, you know, baptizing them as infants is saying, you know, from the beginning, you know, they're not mine. Um, they're, they're, they're not my kids. You know, yeah, we, we had a role in this, um, but, but ultimately, Lord, they're, they're yours. Uh, and, and, you know, a big part of that baptism is saying, you know what, Lord, I recognize they're, they're yours. And so I'm handing them to you. I'm entrusting them um, to you, praying that you would seal them as yours forever, that you would lead them, that you'd guide them, that you would hold them, because ultimately... You're the one that needs to hold them, not not me. But the three things I wanted to talk a little bit about are one, it's it's not ours, um, whether it be our money, whether it be our lives, whether it be our children, whether it be our gifts, whatever it might be, our relationships, they're they're not ours. They're they're ultimately God's. And and in coming to terms with that, it's actually it's a wonderful gift and a wonderful freedom. All of these are are are, are opportunities. Uh, the second is we don't give to a need; we have a need to give. Uh, we, we, we don't give to a need. We, we very truly um, have a need to give. Uh, and, and then third um, is to say that, that we can't outgive God. Um, so um, it's not ours. We have a need to give. Uh, we don't give to a need. We have a need to give. And, and then the last is um, we can't uh, outgive God. Uh, a funny, uh, a, kind of a funny story um, about it being not ours. Uh, Paula is from... Uh, uh, she's from an interesting family, um, and they're, uh, they're 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 from they're from Philly. Um, they're 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 Philadelphia. One of the first things when I when Paul and I started dating, um, my family is very southern, which means you know we tend to avoid topics. Um, you know, there's you know there's a lot of things we just don't talk about. Um, and you know, 
there's there's plenty of elephants in the room, um, and you know what? It's just better not to talk about them. So, um, so I came from a very, in some ways, southern family in that in that respect. Um, and Paula's family, um, interestingly, they uh, it was a culture shock. I can remember going over there for Sunday dinner, and um, I mean they would just everybody would well one no one waited to speak. Um, the, the person that had the floor was the loudest and most persistent. That's how you had the floor. It wasn't, you know, you didn't wait for someone to finish and then begin. It was just, you know, you just started chiming in. And if you were the loudest and, and the most adamant, then you kind of had the floor temporarily. Um, but also, the other, one of the other things, I mean, they would just, I mean, they would just blow up, you know, left and right. they you know, get in these. And then, you know, five minutes later, be like, what? Um, and I was still rattled. You know, I was still shaking. I'm just like, holy cow, these people... Um, are, are different, but they tell a lot of stories. And one of them, uh, Paula's uh, grandfather, uh, had a law firm there in in Philadelphia, and uh, they had had this, you know, he had this sort of grand old home on the main line uh, in Philadelphia. And they were telling these stories about um, when they sold the home, and uh, Paula's grandparents moved in with with her family, and they built. Onto the house for the grandparents to come and live with them, and in, in selling the house, you know, as, as often happens, the you know the people buying it you say, well, you know, we 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 want this, uh, and, and and we want this, and they were telling the story. Her oldest brother and her father were talking about they had, uh, I'm sure, just some these beautiful rugs all throughout the home, um, and the people purchasing thought said, you know, well, we want the rugs, um, and and you know they're like, ah, you know, uh, Jim Paula's father was all, you know. Arguing with his dad about, uh, you know, don't he shouldn't give him that. And, and his father's response was, you know what, Jimmy, let him have it. Uh, Jimmy, let him let him have it. You know, he was all wound up about, you know, they don't need to have those. We need to have those. We can't let those go. Those are valuable. And two things kind of struck me about that. That one is, I just, I, I really, I never met Paul's grandfather. He had died by the time I came around. But what I really am, I just like, you know, let him have it. You know, we've 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 got plenty. We we don't. You know, if they want the rugs, let them have the rugs. You know, who cares? It's just just something for the moths to eat later on. So uh, let's just just you know, Jimmy, um, let them have it. So that was the first thing I thought. You know, how great that he was at a place where he just wasn't all wound up about that. You know, at the rugs, uh, let let them have them. They were rugs that kind of fit the house. Let it go. But the other funny thing that struck me was this. I thought, uh, as I'm hearing this, I thought I'd really like to have those rugs. Uh, that was you know. <laughs> And, and what what struck me is 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 funny about that is I thought you know I, I bet those were really pretty I'd, I'd really like to have those rugs. Is what struck me is funny. I thought you know what Craig, those were never your rugs. Well, you know what what in the world? And you're thinking I'd really like to have those rugs, and the, and they were never yours from the from the beginning. For goodness sakes, why would you spend uh, a second of time thinking they should have held on to those rugs? You know maybe I maybe I could have them now. You know the. Uh, the, the 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 human heart, you know, just wanting to seek after and to hang on to those things that were so much better off just letting go, for goodness sakes. Uh, no, not not ours um, from the very beginning, uh, but but God's from the very beginning. There's a wonderful portion of uh, Paul's letter to the Romans uh, that I thought about. You know, these some of these are really not necessarily the um, uh, the traditional. Um, stewardship texts, perhaps, um, uh, you know, I don't know if I necessarily know what the traditional, I mean, I 
I guess I do have some idea of what some of the traditional um, ones are. But one of the things that I was uh, thinking about is in the eighth chapter of, of Romans. And in, in eight, the eighth chapter of Romans is, is mentioned um, often. The, the end of that chapter is one which we read uh, very often in, in funerals. You know, who shall separate us from the love of Christ and the whole laundry list, you know, nakedness or peril or sword or, you know, famine, you know, neither height nor depth nor anything else can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Romans 8 is often talked about so great because it begins, therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and it ends with there is therefore now no separation uh, from those uh, in Christ Jesus. You know, no condemnation, no separation. Just, uh, you know, wow, um, right there. But in the middle, it talks about, you know, so many different things. One, how the Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray with, with groans, with sighs, um, too deep for words. Uh, that, that amazing message of, I think, I think akin to what John talks about when he talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit as, as, as the paraclete, as, as our advocate. God, through his Holy Spirit, uh, advocating um, on, on our behalf, that, that amazing imagery of, of, of God, the Holy Spirit, um, as our advocate. And, and in Romans 8, it talks about the, the Spirit interceding um, for us. But the big thing that I uh, want to share with you all right now, because again, and this is very definitely in my own life, but I, but I think I don't think it's unique to me. I think it's unique to human nature. You know, one of my big problems uh, with money um, and, and with giving is fear, um, is, you know, and as I say, I'm not sitting here saying I'm cured. Um, I'll, I'll never experience it. Uh, I'll never experience it again. But one of the things that Romans 8 talks about is how we, we have been made God's heirs, how we've been adopted as God's sons and daughters, uh, and not only uh, adopted as God's sons and daughters, but as those who've been uh, adopted, we've been made heirs uh, of God and heirs of his promises. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit uh, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided um, we suffer with him in order that we may also um, be glorified in him. What, you know, again, strikes me, the, the amazing character of God is he adopts us as his sons and daughters and he makes us his heirs. And we didn't receive a spirit of fear um, to fall back um, into slavery, but we've received the spirit of sonship, made God's sons and daughters heirs of, of all of his promises. I, I think one of the great um, opportunities for us when we begin to give uh, is to um, experience what it is to be God's heirs. Uh, and, I, and I'm saying, you know, I don't mean this in sort of some vending machine sort of way. If I put this in, then God owes me this and I get this out. I, I don't mean it in that way at all. But I mean, just sort of um, we experience just the, the joy and the freedom to know that, that we're God's heirs um, and that he desires not for us to have the spirit of fear, which leads us to clutch and in clutching, you know, ultimately we, we, we lose. Um, we're, we're not open um, to experience. We're, we're driven by fear, um, not by the spirit of being God's sons and daughters and knowing of his love and his provision um, for us, um, his, his heirs. So one, I just think it's, it's not ours um, from the very beginning. Uh, secondly, 
we don't give we don't uh, give to a need. We have a need to give. Um, I worked for years with a guy, and he had all these pithy sayings that I thought were kind of cheesy. And this was one of them. But I'm like, you know what? It's good, um, and it's and it's and it's and it's true. Um, because you know, obviously, and that's the way we often approach things, um, whether it be in the church or, or however. You know, these are our needs, and it's true. I mean, they're 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 needs to support the the ministries of the church, with, without a doubt. I mean, that's all well and and true. But I mean, again, I, I just think without a doubt, I believe 100% we have a need to give. Um, because otherwise, money becomes our master. Um, it becomes our god. Um, it, it becomes um, our our idol. Uh, and you know, we we just we're, we're driven by a spirit uh, of of fear. There's an interesting. Um, uh, I read a book uh, years ago. Graham Tomlin wrote called "The Provocative Church," and it was interesting because he was talking about people in uh, in London, and and I think. Um, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, I feel pretty certain. You know, people in London can be kind of different from people in Alabama and, you know, and so forth. But not just London, per se, but just big cities. There often can be a very different mindset in big cities. And people have come um, you know, from a di- very different formation um, than from you and from me. You know, a lot of our issues tends to be in reaction to the church rather than an absence of growing up with any sort of knowledge of and, and relationship with but one of the people that had been converted and come to faith, one of the things that the person said, the reason uh, they're being drawn to the church, and I thought this was particularly interesting. He said, this guy didn't talk about basically any sort of feelings of guilt and separation from God and you know, seeking forgiveness and kind of the traditional sin and redemption, you know, grace and mercy. But, but what drew him to the church was he was looking for a better and less superficial way of living. I thought that was interesting. What, what drew him to the church was he said, you know, I just, you know, basically I'm, I'm very knowledgeable and skilled in the world, uh, but I really was kind of like, oh, that's pretty, it's just vapid. Um, and he was looking for a better and less um, superficial way uh, of, of living. And I think there's the opportunity in giving, um, and one that we have very definitely that, that inherent need um, to give, but um, it's an opportunity not to be driven by consumerism. Um, to actually kind of evaluate it, uh, to, to have it challenged as the Lord of our lives, um, to possibly have it unseated uh, as that which drives you and me, that whole consumerism, uh, you know, a wonderful way to find a, a better and less superficial way uh, of living. You know, is it just me or, or are you content until you look at catalogs? You know, I don't know about y'all, but I'm actually just, I got every, I really got everything I need. And then I look at a catalog and well, I need that. Um, you know, and you know, just kind of, but that opportunity to be delivered from a, uh, you know, to be given a better and less uh, superficial way to live. One of the um, verses which y'all are probably very familiar with is Matthew 6, when Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour um, to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Uh, you have little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Uh, Therefore, uh, do not be anxious uh, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day um, is its own trouble. Uh, And it's in um, Luke's account that he says, you know, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve both God uh, and money because you're going to love one uh, and you're going to hate the other. Uh, You can't have two masters. And I think in giving, there's that wonderful opportunity to have that idol unseated um, in our in our hearts uh, and to begin to experience that that freedom of not worrying. Uh, Another thing that we tend to spend our money on is kind of status Driven, I heard a uh, hilarious description. I think it's absolutely accurate of a status um, and just sort of you know purchasing things for status. It's it's spending money that we don't have uh, on things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Um, so I just think you know, that's actually that's pretty good. You know, that's kind of what consumerism offers you: You're spending money you don't have on things you don't need to impress people um, you you don't like. And then lastly, I'll I'll, I'll say this because uh, we're kind of coming up on on the time there. Um, is is that reality? Um, I mean, it's just what I've experienced again and again and again is 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 the inability um, to to outgive God, um, and, and I think that's the the tempter tempts us with you know what um, if you know if 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 you're not careful you're going to run out um, if if you're not careful um, God's going to forget you um, if you know if you're not careful then. You know what? You're 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 playing with you're playing with fire there. But not only um, not only biblically, but but also again from from my experience, I, I have found the truth that yeah, just can't can't outgive God. Um, uh, that He's uh, has not only um, provided for us, uh, but provided for us in such a way that we might know the truth. Uh, you know, just the, the the reality of of who He is that we might experience. Actual, real freedom and, and and real contentment and real joy and, it, and it's, it's found in walking with Him. It's found in trusting in Him. It's found in uh, in in giving. Uh, it's found in, in letting go rather than clutching. Um, so let me just uh, I'll stop there. Any any sort of questions, comments y'all have uh, about any of that? Not that I set up well for questions, but anyway, um, it's one of the things one of the things we say at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> With the, the biblical understanding of the heart, yeah, the bib and it's um I just you know uh, it's it's got to be true because I saw it on Facebook. Um, <laughs> so um, no, it's a, a, a guy uh, a guy I know he had been at the Gospel Coalition uh, conference and I guess Tim Keller was one of the speakers and so it was a quote uh, it's a quote from Tim Keller, the biblical understanding of the heart is that it is not the seat of the emotions but of what you most trust and hope in. And I and I do. I think that's you know the uh, the the human heart has been described as an idol factory, um, and you know any any number of things we can put there um, as as our idols. Uh, but as I say, I mean money, you know, really is uh, very often one of them. And I think because you know we we crave not only do we crave status, but even beyond that, we crave security, um, and and we think that security is having is having enough. Um, and I think that's why it's a wonderful invitation uh, to actually have, well, 
uh, it's just kind of a, you might want to write this down, this is kind of a pretty radical concept to have God at the center of our hearts um, rather than, <laughs> I'm facetious, that doesn't help, uh, but rather than whatever, whatever it might be, you know, the, the opinion and approval of others, whether it might be um, money, whether it might be whatever, to actually have God as, as, as the one and, and his care for us and his invitation to walk with him uh, is that which grounds our lives. Well, um, I say it's, it's, it's been fun. Um, um, because, um, you know, I struggle with it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I were starting out with him, not Yeah. Familiar. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, in life, you realize that if you don't put money aside, bad things are going to happen, and you need, and, and I don't know how to balance yeah. that against, you know, the giving. I mean, we obviously give, but yeah. we probably give more. Oh, yeah. But, and things have happened in our lives, and, you know, jobs have changed, mm-hmm. and we were thankful that we had yeah. So, how do you... Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, great, it's a great question, um, and I don't know that I'm going to have any just, like, uh, seemingly, you know, hugely insightful answer to that. I'll say a couple of things, because one of the things I actually wanted to say, and that, that kind of prompted my memory to say it, one of the things that I've started doing... Um, and I recommend this to you all again, not because it's me, but someone else recommended this, and I think it's a good thing, is that um, when you sit down every month or every two weeks or however you do it, um, or whether you do an annual, let that first check be to the church, because I found that if I leave it, um, uh, you know, and there's, you know, there'll, there'll be all sort of emergencies and things that I need to do. That if I don't do that one first, um, uh, first fruits, I mean, you get, you're biblical, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's it's first fruits. It's unfortunately I don't know. It's a it's an awesome question, and that's uh, something that I think Mark Gillette will cover perfectly next week, um, uh, and then Todd the week and then Todd the week after that. But I, I, it's a, it's a tremendous question because um, I guess here's what I would here's what I would say. Um, I just think it's a it's a great thing, and I think it's a liberating thing to have our first fruits, our first giving be to God before to say, you know what, I'm going to commit to this because I know myself and I know my heart. And if I don't do it right now, there's going to be all sorts of other crucial things that are, that are going to get in the way of that. And, and with that being said, I just think it's a challenge for us. And I'm the, I'm, I'm the same. We have a lot of things that are, quote, essential in our lives that aren't. Um, I mean, I do. I mean, I've got a lot of, quote, essentials that just really aren't essentials if I step back and if I look at it. But I, I think as well, and I'll just say this finally, uh, you know, I think it is wise. Um, Paul and I could do a much better job of setting aside for the rainy day, um, for the challenge, for whatever it might be. But I guess I'd lastly say this. Walking with God, I think we find him sufficient. But uh, I think I think there's a, I shared this actually last Sunday when I was drawing. This is from a book by Wendell Berry. But he said, um, and again, you're welcome to this group. It says, faith, faith is not first and foremost a resting place. It's something which, which pushes us out. Uh, and I think the same is true um, with, with, with giving or with whatever. It, it doesn't always feel safe and secure. That, that faith and that act of doing that kind of puts us in a place where we're like, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, I, does this leave me maybe a little exposed and a little vulnerable over here? Maybe. Um, and... Uh, Ah, oh, absolutely. Ab- 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 uh, to, to ex- I mean, to, and it's 
And that's that's the nice thing actually in talking about this. It's because it's like when we talk about this, we're like we're all re- we're all struggling with the same stuff. I think in, in in many ways, you know, some of us are are better planners, and some of us maybe are a little more controlling. But I mean. It, it comes down to the same issues uh, of, of the human heart, the human spirit, um, and and the ways that we, yeah. How how do I how do I be smart, if you will? Yes, but at the same time, more importantly, how do I be faithful? How do those balance? Okay, 